Welcome to the party. We've got Vikings Raiders MVPs. We've got Mr. Mankato, question mark. And we've got a guest of honor coming up mid-show. It's the Minnesota Football Party. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Let's meet the group. Luke Inman, co-host of Superior Sports Talk. He's at Luke underscore Spinman on Twitter. Arif Hassan of TheAthletic.com covers the Vikings at Arif Hassan NFL. And Luke Braun is back from Vegas. He is back home with his rabbits. He's at Luke Braun NFL, and he uh, hosts Locked on Vikings. Luke, how was Vegas? Vegas was great. We only spent one night. We just kind of stopped in. Um... On my way home from Minnesota, going to camp. What hotel? Um, Allegiant State. Uh, we stayed at Harris. I think it's Haraz. We. S- no, it's not. I I have met the uh, brother Mr. of Harris. the owner of all the hotels. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just messing with you. It's definitely Harris. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was pretty good. Allegiant Stadium, less cool than U.S. Bank. Kind of generic, actually. Uh, for one of these like cool super mega Death Stars that they're building now, and the was field the field as bad as it looked? Condition. And they talked about <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all three of you. Yeah, Jesus. I was actually talking to the fan next to me. I don't know if he was right about this, but he said that apparently they like roll it out. Uh, they like roll okay. out the sod yeah. so that it can get sun because the roof doesn't let in enough sun. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's, uh, wow. when I was there for the Senior Bowl, they actually had the. Uh, the 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 thing open that it rolls out of like the the door to the side um for a little bit it was it was kind of cool and it it gives it like a level of versatility even though it looks generic it has like a um a lot of uses but uh, i don't know if you heard this but on the broadcast pa mentioned i think twice actually that um the field had previously been used for the soccer team there and whatever reason soccer players liked it uh like the field um a lot more wet and uh, they, they couldn't let it dry in time, which I guess relates to what you actually said. Uh, and it had developed like some problems with fungus. And so um, that's why there were so many divots on the field because they were just kind of cleaning that out. Um, so oh, wow. it, it was related to it's actually the fact that it was a multi-use stadium with natural. Yeah, that was express. bizarre. That was bizarre. Yeah. And, and Luke Braun uh, had our postcast torpedoed by a rogue security guard who decided that he was a... Uh, Security some kind of th- some kind of threat to the to the well being of the stadium. What happened? That's accurate. Yeah. Look, if you don't get kicked out of somewhere when you go to Vegas, did you really do Vegas? That's actually Very a really good, good point. point. Okay, but how big was the future bet on the Vikings to win the Super Bowl that you put down? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Come yeah, did you did you at least online. gamble bet when online, you were in now. Vegas? Yeah, yeah, we did a little bit. Okay. Um, I did place yeah. some bets relative to the Vikings. They weren't. Uh, it was certainly wasn't a Super Bowl winning bet. Mm. Okay. All right. Under well, on Wintel. If you want to dive into that, but let me ask you this: What was oh, the I've line for week bet one versus the, versus the Packers? <laughs> What's that line at now? Did you check that week one versus the Packers? Uh, the sports books all just had like the games of that day. But if you give me okay. a second, I can go to BetOnline.net and uh, check that. BetOnline.net has like every NFL game for the whole season, and they are sponsoring mm-hmm. today's episode. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find your favorite sports and events, the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. The Raiders covered yesterday. Oh, Luke, you're plus four. Just crushed there. Couldn't get a stop at the end. They've also got MLB, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, golf, live in-game betting scores, and podcasts. What don't they have at Bet Online? Where the game starts. Uh, you have that uh, those odds for us, Luke. Before we get into uh, Vikings Raiders MVPs. One second. Screw, you know, they got it like chronologically backwards, so that's a little bit annoying. But uh, I'm seeing minus one and a half Packers. That's less than it used to be. So people are bullish on the Vikings, you're saying? How about mm, that? At least more bullish than they were, like, in May. Well, let's start with the man who was there. Uh, Luke Braun, your Vikings, Raiders, MVP, or MVPs. We will allow plural because it is the preseason and guys play like a quarter. So hit me. What did you, you see yesterday? I saw a number of players that we could give this to. There were a lot of really good players. Um, 
probably Ty Chandler, that big giant kick return, and then just some really good running. Um, I could give it to Ed Ingram, who I think is honestly, I know he didn't start this game, but I think he's running away with that job for week one. Um, and I could even go with Chris Boyd, who had like a really phenomenal sequence in the middle of the game, um, getting targeted downfield a whole bunch of times and, and stopping all of it, staying clean and all that. Um, I don't know. Pick your favorite of those three. Usually by default, I think these MVPs obviously go to the quarterback. So Mon by default would probably win the two TDs, 119, no turnovers. Troy Dye, your leading tackler, not giving it to Troy Dye. I like that you brought up Ed Engram. Obviously, those guys don't get enough attention. Usually wouldn't get recognition for an MVP, but he had a great game as well. Amir Smith-Marset, three catches, had the big kickoff to open the game, was called back. Also had a fumble, so that stuff. Albert Wilson, uh, if you had to pick someone outside of Mon, I guess a case could be made. Either running back, Ken A, or Ty Chandler, average 10 yards a carry. So just a couple more names to add on to what Luke mentioned. Yeah, uh, Troy Dye is an interesting one. Obviously, he led the team in tackles, but if you look at how many tackles he only had in the run game, it was two. So three of his tackles came in the passing game, I think we saw. Uh, why that was the case. It wasn't because he was taking down screens. It was because he was allowing passes in coverage. And there was even um, a, a pretty big uh, coverage bust he allowed where he didn't even get the tackle. So um, I'll, I'll uh, add on to the Ty Chandler, Kenny Wangu um, love. I think actually Wangu probably had a better game, even though Chandler had better statistics. Both of them played really well, of course. Um, I think that Wangu's ability to kind of shed tackles and find, um, I think, more difficult holes in in run blocking lanes would would lead me to give it to him. So I want to I want to get there, but along the defensive line, I think Patrick Jones had like four pressures. I know that he gave up that touchdown uh, by by missing an assignment in the running game, but I think that overall Patrick Jones had a really great game. I think T Y McGill had a really remarkable game, both as a a run defender and as a pass rusher. Both uh, I think he had two sacks or he contributed on two sacks that um, one of them may have gotten taken away. I don't remember, but uh, certainly he had. Um, a big impact in the passing game, despite being a classical nose tackle. And then I think among the starters, uh, Harrison Phillips just had a wonderful game, just an incredible performance. Um, and so kind of seeing how that might translate uh, for the Vikings as they hit the field, you know, that that's going to be um, really fun to see. Um, I kind of wish we we had one receiver that like stood out a ton. I think we got like a bunch of 25 plus yard games from Amir Smith-Marset, from Christian Jackson, from Myron Mitchell. Um, I guess out of the out of all of them, I'd say Amir Smith Marset was probably um, the most dynamic of them, uh, and and probably did the most, uh, especially because he got hurt a little bit on um, on on some of the inaccurate throws, um, where he probably could have had uh, a little bit more yardage than he ended up getting. So he played uh, a pretty wonderful game too. Yeah, I thought relative to his camp performance i thought it was a big day for albert wilson to flash and obviously oh, yeah. two touchdowns you know two catches two touchdowns that's a good ratio i don't think it clinches him a spot on the team i think you have to sort of separate like what it means to score a touchdown like it's one catch uh it's a big catch it counts for points but i don't think it means albert wilson is on the team I think you guys nailed the key figures here. Ty Chandler, obviously. Kene Wangwu, great game. Ed Ingram, matching the eye test with the PFF grade, too. He was one of their top-rated offensive linemen. I think Blake Brandle's the only one who beat him out. Um, and it was interesting, too, that both Davises gave up the sacks. Jesse Davis and Wyatt Davis. How appropriate. Um, and Ed Ingram is going to make a bid for that, that starting job. It feels like the momentum is in his court mm -hmm. right now. Uh, no one's going to go with Kellen Mond for an NB MVP for that heroic end to the game, his final two drives. Anybody uh, care to, to give a Mond opinion? Arif, I know you've got him, so why don't you just start us off? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I, I think that Mond played in a way that is really effective in the preseason and will hurt you in the regular season. I think that um, obviously his mistakes, everyone's kind of aware of them. He missed a couple of open receivers. Um, he didn't really scramble all that well. Like when he scrambled, he didn't keep his eyes downfield. So he just throw the ball away, which, you know, why would you scramble? And of course, kind of as the game had progressed, he was getting a little bit more successful at hitting targets deep downfield. I think he had four, uh, you know, 
passes that has been completed for 15 plus yards, um, which is really nice to see. But the issue for me, I think, is just how long it takes for him to get rid of the ball uh, and how quickly it takes for him to make a decision. If his first read is open, you know, he'll throw to that guy maybe a tick late. But, you know, if his first read's not open, he's having a lot of difficulty, you know, getting things going. So statistically, he was like, I think, like the third or second best, I guess, depending on the statistic, uh, quarterback in the preseason this first weekend. But I think that how long he held onto the ball, how, how quickly it took for him to make a decision. Those are such concerns I have coming out of that game that even though statistically, you know, he looks quite good, you know, 100 plus passer rating. I, I think that just generally speaking, that kind of play doesn't translate well. It's kind of like scouting a college quarterback. You know, you find out that this guy has really great statistics and you watch it and you think that that game doesn't translate at the next level for whatever reason. Here, I think the reason is just kind of timing and tempo where um, really great stuff, especially against and with the, you know, the third team offense and defense. Um, but, you know, stuff that I, I the same concerns I have about Mond, I, I have coming out of that game. Yeah, he was late, I think, a lot. Like, that's mm -hmm. the, um, that's always been the thing with Kellen Mond this whole year, is that timing has just not been right. Um, but that said, like, he was still completing the passes. A lot of that has to do with being up against a third-team defense. There's just going to be more space. And I think the wide receiver depth the Vikings have is going to be pretty good. Yeah. Like, their third-team receivers are good. So, like, they have a big advantage there on, in the fourth quarter of the game. Um, I, I have been describing Kellen Mond's game as a step forward. But the question is, like, are you comfortable with a guy who can't throw the ball on time as your backup quarterback if Kirk Cousins misses a game? And I don't think I can say that about Mond yet, but I'm closer than I was this time yesterday. Um, so it's a step forward, but I still need to see him time some. He's not rifling them like he did in college. And I don't know if that's a confidence thing. I don't know if that's just a developmental thing. He's just trying to learn how to get more touch on his passes. Um, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And the question for Mond, I don't think is, can he be QB2? I, I don't think we're very close to that. I think it's, is he on the way enough to justify keeping him on the 53? Um, and I think he took a step toward yes to that question. Is Kellen Mond known for a rifle in college? I didn't realize uh, that. He wasn't known for passing deep, but he was known for a strong arm. Like, it's strong one of those arm, things. Yeah. Velocity. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where um, he was actually the most aggressive quarterback among the drafted quarterbacks in attempting to fit tight windows, at least according to Ben Solak's charting. Um, but a lot of it was just intermediate stuff. So he definitely had a really strong arm or has a really strong arm, but he doesn't use it to get deep downfield. And so far in the preseason and in training camp, he's not using it to challenge tight windows either. Yeah. The yeah, deep the deal with throwing him... from Mond has been abysmal in camp. That, yeah. that being said, I don't think Mannion makes those high level throws that I saw in the game yesterday. So that's one feather in Mond's yeah. cap is that I, I don't think Mannion even has the capacity to fit in some of those throws. Now, that being said, I haven't seen it from Mond either until yesterday, and he was also climbing out of a hole of his own making. He started the game two for seven, and among those incompletions, he had just a horrid jump ball that he threw to Chisena like three seconds late on the sideline, and he had the third down and goal scramble where he couldn't execute a throw on the run. So he did improve his game as the game went on, but you can't start that way. It was like in the Chiefs preseason game last year where didn't he have a pick or two picks early on before he played better? So that's still a concern when you start that badly. That being said, Chisena throw, two Wilson throws, and the Myron Mitchell diving catch throw were all super high level. Um, Luke, I guess, Luke Inman, does that change your mind at all on Mond to see that at least he has the capacity to do these things, but, you know, he's not doing it for a full performance? Well, I, I think Arif and Luke made up some great points. He, you're right. He's not good right now, but isn't the only way Mon's actually going to get better is just by playing. Like, the, he needs these live game reps. That's how these guys learn and develop, kind of that trial by fire. There's only so much you can get from practice, I think, to a certain point. But for a quarterback, seeing these different disguises, looks by the defenses at the line of scrimmage, being able to survive on the fly when the play your coach draws up kind of breaks down, that's what Mon needs right now. And and again, like they said, make no mistake, he's going to struggle. He's going to make mistakes. But 
you know, show me a young quarterback who doesn't. I think it's all part of the growing process and going back to the tape, learning from your mistakes with your coaches against that better tier competition. We kind of saw what we, he can do against that third team defense. I think he needs to go up against that second team defense to continue to progress and develop because we know what we've got with Mannion. And he's obviously kind of capped out right now as far as not only physically, but just in his point of his career, he's not going to get any better. He's a statue in the pocket. You know what you're getting. At least Mon has that potential, I think, to learn and grow. So I guess I know Luke kind of already answered it. He's not a number three or excuse me, number two quarterback right now. But do you guys, I guess, Sam and Arif think that, you know, this Saturday, let's just say, for example, he should be the number two quarterback. Mon should yeah, I think start. Saturday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. so. Um, I, I would like to see him do well in an environment where he's going to be challenged more defensively. I mean, I think um, mm -hmm. like some of the elements that you were talking about, like, you know, identifying protections and defenses, I actually don't think that he was challenged too much, or at least he failed those challenges when he came to identifying protections. I don't think he did a very good job setting those protections very well. Now, obviously, the primary responsibility in this offense is is with the center. So that could be an Austin Schlotman thing. Um, but you know, he has to, he has to make sure that as those adjustments come up, especially on the edges, um, that he's got the ability to kind of veto Schlotman and set a protection that's going to help him out. I don't think he did a really good job of that. Um, it, it's interesting because like the, the throw to Myron Mitchell, I thought was absolutely gorgeous. I thought it was beautiful. It was well-timed. It was accurate. It was great. Um, and then you mentioned that you set a throw and my mind actually went to an earlier, just on a throw that should have been picked off to the corner where yeah, the horrible. only reason horrible. that it was picked off. Yeah, the only reason it was picked off is because he was late because Jacena was open. Actually, I just posted the all twenty-two of that play uh, in Luke in, in Luke Braun's replies, and uh, <laughs> and and Jacena's open. He just has to throw it on time and he has to lead him upfield, right? Um, but instead, he throws it underneath Jacena. He throws it late and it allows the cornerback to undercut it. And it's just you know it's a deep throw, a corner route. Corner route's one of the most difficult throws in the NFL, uh, and so you know you don't you don't want to judge someone too harshly for not being able to make it, but. Um, you know, I think that's all true. One one thing about what uh, what Luke said um, is that the Vikings, you know, yeah, there's 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 more to unlock with Mond. He's not at his best self, but the Vikings are not a self improvement organization. They're attempting to win games, right? There's only mm -hmm. so many resources you can devote to to uh, unlocking all of the potential of one guy at the behest of the other fifty two that are going to end up being on your roster. You have to win games, right? And if if we were to determine which quarterback to throw in a game right now right i would pick Mannion. i think mond had a better preseason game i think Mannion had a better game in terms of what you would ask an nfl quarterback to do in the regular season given the regular season challenges of more complex defenses and faster defensive backs so um we do need to see more for mond i would love for him to start absolutely uh, on saturday i think that that's paramount because you want to see him at, at, a, at an elevated level of play um, but you know, I, I think I would pick Mannion. And then the thing is, I thought in the most recent practices, Mond outperformed Mannion. So it's not even like, I think that, that Mannion is, is worlds better than Mond. I just think that in the particular qualities that you expect to see in a regular season game from a quarterback, that Mannion just kind of has it right now. And that Mond is on the way to getting there. Yeah. Let's get Mannion a quick, tomorrow. really? I mean, it's a conundrum yeah. because, I, because, because the, the, the Vikings, the preseason. I don't think you want all three quarterbacks on your roster. I think you want to preserve a roster spot there, but you don't want to probably don't want to cut Mond because of the the positional value, the draft status, there's his age, more ceiling, but you don't want Mannion to be your only number 2 either. Like, I mean, you you kind of need to have another person to come in here because if you cut Mannion, he's not going to go to the practice squad. So you're not going to have a third quarterback in the organization. That's that's what's problematic. And if Mond is your backup, that's dicey as well. Let me let me just pivot this into a little rankum segment. I want you to look at last year's third round picks, and I want you to rank their progress. Or you could do it. You could rank who's more screwed when it comes to cutdown day. Whatever you want to do. You've got Mond. You've got Wyatt Davis, Chaz Surratt, and Patrick Jones the second. Rank where they are at in your mind, Luke Inman give you the start on this one okay i think i'm gonna go i think i'm gonna go patrick jones as my number one and then i'm going kellen mond and then these last two i'm having a tough time i guess Chaz surratt by default he played a little bit more special teams he had a couple more tackles but neither of those last two are worthy of 
almost even ranking. They're just absolutely swing and misses, which is obviously pretty depre- pretty depressing, kind of frustrating. But Patrick Jones, I think, has shown enough. And then Kellen Mond, number two, and then kind of a free-for-all, roll the dice, pick your poison, Chas Surratt or Wyatt Davis. I think I'm giving the edge to Chas Surratt. Yeah, I think I'd go in the same direction there, honestly. Um, the exact same order. That's even even if you exclude the preseason game and only look at camp, I'd probably give the same order. I think Patrick Jones has had an okay camp. He had a really excellent game. Mond, Mond had a pretty bad camp. He had a really decent game. Uh, Chesserat looks like a quarterback playing linebacker. I don't know how else to put it. He didn't have you know a wonderful <laughs> game, but at least he contributed. Uh, and then, and then Wyatt Davis, I think, just had a, a really poor game, which reflects a really poor camp from him. Yeah, I, I think the order's pretty simple, except the last two are the only ones where it gets like, like Patrick Jones, far and away the best of those three, because he's going to make the team, and we can't for sure say that about any of the other ones. Mond, I mean, we just got done talking about do you or don't you spend a roster spot to see if he can't develop again in year two of a third round pick. That's a terrible spot. And then an even worse spot. I'll probably go with Chaz Surratt third uh, because maybe he can make the team on special teams, but he is a long shot. And I, and Wyatt Davis is both behind in the depth chart and getting handily outplayed by Kyle Hinton. It's over for those two and maybe over for Mond and Patrick Jones is the third best outside linebacker slash hey, he didn't actually have yeah, a much the, better game than i think we anticipated let's be clear here and and the only <laughs> glimmer of hope that chasserat is is hanging by a thread is he played all 12 snaps on special teams so like it's almost like they're trying they're, they're, they're hoping he can somehow make a you know land on a spot here on special teams but everything that we saw i think it was zach mcleod made a great play got in the backfield basically set up Chasserat for a perfect tackle for loss, and he just absolutely got juked out of his shoes. But I was there at training camp last week, sat with Luke Braun, Sam stopped by, and I was like, all right, it's my first practice. I'm going to see. I, I want to see this Chasserat experience up close and personal because, you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, there's just no way. Third round pick. I know he's a quarterback. So That's why you buy a ticket, the Chasserat experience. Yeah, there's got to be a glimmer of hope. <laughs> well, it wasn't until like the last eight minutes I finally saw the guy hit the field. I'm like, oh, here's finally, here's Chas. Luke, here we go. Look, third team. And Luke looks at me. He goes, he got your binocs like trained the- on him the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Watch him on the Where's side. 41. Line. Where's 41? Yeah, there he is. There, <laughs> shut up, shut up. There he is. No, Luke looks at me and goes, ah, this is basically the fourth team, to be honest with you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. All right. The experiment's <laughs> over. So, yeah, 12 special teams. And he still snaps, couldn't tackle only, in the like, And he still couldn't tackle in the game. 12 special team snaps. The only, like, small glimmer of hope he has. Obviously, he's going to have to make the team because he's going to, uh, you know, excel at special teams. But right now, yeah, two huge swing and misses with Wyatt Davis and Chester out. I don't think either of them make the team. In fact, the first round of cuts, they could both be gone, too. Yeah, I think the order is correct. And if Mond doesn't bounce back in yesterday's game, he might be right there with sort of the unrankable guys just as major disappointment. He still might be. I'm not convinced he's not, but we saw more in two drives from Kellen Mond than we have from Wyatt Davis or Chaz Surratt at any point. Surratt, to me, is a bust. Troy Dye keeps getting chances and keeps looking slow in the pass coverage game, unable to make an impact in the run game. I don't think Troy Dye is a lock on this roster either. Good news is I, I, I think Asamoah might be a player. Why, I don't get why they give him those snaps. I mean, I would much mm-hmm. rather give them to Blake Lynch and Brian Asamoah, right? Like, the, the thing time. with Brian Asamoah is that in this game, he was very up and down, but his up was fantastic. That tackle for loss mm-hmm. to the to the sideline, like an incredible play, just really well read, really well done, great speed, athleticism. Um, yeah, he has some pretty big downs to him, and he's overrunning plays a lot, but I would much rather try to develop that than deal with, you know, kind of making sure that Troy Dye in his third year can figure it out. And Blake Lynch is already just better. Like, it's not even an upside versus whatever thing. Blake Lynch is a better linebacker than Troy Dye. And, and last mm-hmm. year's the Vikings coaches had determined that too, right? So... I, I don't know why Troy Dye is getting the run that he is, um, but I think that you're right. He's not a lock. I had a hard time. I did like a, a back-of-the-napkin 53-man roster during, during the fourth quarter yesterday. I've got a tough time filling out my linebacker room, to be honest with you. I mean, it's a little bit murkier when you're dealing with OLBs because it, we just never put a roster together with oh. a 3-4, so you don't know how they're going to allot those spots. Yeah, I've- but, I've, I've been using the, the Rams and the Broncos defenses from last year's cheat sheets for that. 
I think that's the the proverbial doorbell. Uh, do we oh. have our guest of honor? He works for uh, okay. for Sports Illustrated. Sure. He's got a strong bucket hat game out at TCO Performance he Center. He writes for Inside the Vikings. His name is Will Raggetts, and he is an outstanding coverer hey. of the Vikings. Great. What's going on, Will? At How's it going, Will guys? Raggetts. What's going on? Not a whole lot. Just uh, hanging out. Watched some preseason football yesterday. Were you refreshing Grinding PFF feverishly this morning, waiting for the grades? <laughs> no, not really. I checked like <laughs> Good for earlier you. this morning, and they weren't there, and then I kind of gave up and figured somebody else would, would post them. But I saw Ed Ingram had a good grade, so big yeah. stuff. I love PFF overreactions in the preseason. Um, I, so I don't think you were in Vegas yesterday, Will, unless, unless you snuck over there not. without me knowing. But how hard are you going to angle to go to the regular season game next year? Because I, I might pay my own way. That, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, there's, there's a few every year that you like circle and try to get to if possible. And that's, uh, that's got to be up there. I mean, that stadium just looks awesome. I really want to get to uh, the SoFi as well at some point. But yeah, I've, I've actually never been to Vegas somehow. That's, so a, that's a gorgeous I'm, stadium. I'm going to make that yeah, happen at God. some point. Yeah. Everybody that I talk to on our beat, Will, doesn't know how to have fun in Vegas. Yeah, Vegas, who cares? I would love to go. Like, that would be a great time for me. Um, I feel I mean, like, Sam, Will, you're a degenerate. I mean, the, like, there's no way that you wouldn't find something to do in Vegas. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad for me. It's definitely bad for me. But I'm going to be that, that guy who goes to Haraz and uh, and finds a, a $25 minimum craps table. Uh, Guys, they're we'll... giving out player cards. All you got to do is give them their ID. Look, they're free. Check these out. And you get points. That's Sam on the first day. He's, collect them all. He's got oh, seven. Vegas would get scammed immediately. I wouldn't pay for a single bet. It would all be, it would all be free promo uh, money. Will... Who uh, we were just talking about some some struggling players yesterday. Who do you think tanked their stock in yesterday's game? Any? Let's start with the negative. Yeah, I think there's a few players that uh, were not particularly impressive. I'd say I, I heard you guys I think talking about him before I got on, but Chaz Surratt uh, seems kind of like a lost cause at this point in year two. I just haven't really seen much from him. He's been buried with the threes during training camp, and then. Uh, yesterday seemed to be out of position at times. I'd say Jesse Davis, even in a really small sample size, maybe just as much with him not looking great on his eight plays or whatever, but also the fact that Ed Ingram came in and, and played really well. I think Jesse Davis, I, I even even last week, I had him probably still like 60% to be the week one starter at, at right guard. I think that's firmly below 50% at this point with what uh, what he and Ed Ingram showed yesterday. I mean, still time, of course, but... Uh, those are two that kind of jump out to me. So uh, out of the out of that kind of receiver melange, I mean, uh, you know, Matthew Collar and I have had a little bit of back and forth on like Christian Jackson and 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 Myron Mitchell. Uh, I think I think Collar's ahead on this one right now. Um, but you know, there's there's like a there's like a, a group of receivers like kind of right below Amir Smith Marset that you can't really figure out kind of who the fifth receiver is going to be, if there's going to be a sixth receiver, who that's going to be. Jalen Naylor did not avail himself particularly well in this game, but I thought he's had a pretty good last week at camp. How do you kind of sort out that room? Yeah, it's tough, right? I mean, Jalen Naylor, even, I think he had, a, he had a little catch yesterday during that good Kellen Mond drive. He also muffed a kickoff pretty blatantly but yeah um yeah and then and then albert wilson kind of comes out of nowhere we haven't seen much from him in camp and he catches two touchdowns and you're reminded that hey this is a guy who's been in the the nfl for seven seasons or whatever it is so it's the the competition there i think is as strong as it is for any roster spots when you're doing the math like obviously we know uh there's three guys the, the big three receivers and then amir smith marset probably safe as well but bc johnson Myron Mitchell, Tristan Jackson, like that competition for I don't know how many two or three spots. There's a lot of guys who could who could step up and, and earn those jobs. That I I still don't think that's been determined through uh, three weeks of training camp and, and one preseason game yet. Yeah, let me let me put you, you like on the spot. Let me put everybody on the spot. Don't give an explanation. Just names. Give me your wide receivers four, five, and six. Don't think. 
Just give me names. Go around the circle, Luke. Amir Smith Marset, BC Johnson, Tristan Jackson. Exact same. Uh, I'm going to replace Tristan Jackson with Jalen Naylor. Well, yeah, I think I would. I think I would have Naylor over Tristan Jackson. I want to get Myron Mitchell. Do we all have BC making it? Yeah, yeah, he's reliable. I've I've got I've got ISM, ISM, BC, and Tristan. But I'm getting but like saying it out loud, saying it out loud. I hate it. I hate that because BC is not looking that much better than these younger guys who have three or four years of team control. BC is a fourth year expiring contract. Like it doesn't actually make sense. So. I might be changing my mind on the fly here. I also don't love keeping Albert Wilson. I might prefer Myron Mitchell. Um, so that's why I think it's a it's a tough talker well yeah, because you've got these, these contractual factors. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll I don't think this. Wilson uh, makes the team. Yeah, I, I don't think it's close. I don't think Wilson makes the team. I'll say this about um, BC Johnson. Um, he's going to run the routes at the right depth, which is not a guarantee for any of those other guys. He's probably going to catch the ball if you throw it to him. Not a guarantee for any of those other guys, um, and uh, and uh, if you give him route options, he'll run the right option against the right coverage. Also, not a guarantee for those other guys. So, like BC yeah, Johnson has not made a bunch key. of highlight plays. Yeah, exactly. You know, he, he's not made a bunch of highlight plays in camp, or obviously, you know, I don't think he received. He he got like three targets, no catches in the game. Um, but I, I think that if you're asking a guy to like fill in for a starter based off of like a inning game injury or something like that, um, and you need them available for 30 snaps or something, like I, Tristan Jackson's nice, Myron Mitchell's nice, but like there might only be four routes that you trust them to run. Whereas BC Johnson, you give him the whole route tree, you give him the whole offense. Yeah, good point there. I agree with Arif. The other thing to note too. Myron Mitchell played, what, 14 snaps, zero on special teams. Tristan Jackson, 22 snaps, four on special teams. Olabisi Johnson, 30 snaps, nine on special teams, too. So Myron Mitchell, that kind of popped out, that zero special teams reps at all. Uh, I thought that was interesting. I haven't kept close tabs on that during training camp, so I didn't know where they were at. But obviously, a lot of talk about Tristan Jackson versus Myron Mitchell. Interesting to note, Jackson was in on special teams. Myron, nowhere to be found there. You could find so a few for, people here on the the like bottom end of the roster, kind of via the practice squad too. Like I call it that, like Perry Nickerson spot, where you're not really on the roster, but you kind of are because you're going to get elevated, or you might end up kind of mm-hmm. coming in just to do a special team or something like that. So you might see a lot of these guys, both Tristan Jackson and Myron Mitchell, and if Jalen Naylor doesn't make it, you'll see him on the practice squad in the building, learning, being part of it, but maybe just not dressing on game days. Before yesterday, Will Raggetts. I don't know if I would have had a clear-cut Mr. Mankato. Like, I, I've gone down the roster. I wouldn't have known who it was. Ty Chandler Wait, seems to be now? the runaway favorite. Am I forgetting anyone? What? Amir Smith-Marset in surprised the mix? Had one now. Greg Joseph. No, no. Greg Joseph. I, neither of those guys are even eligible. I guess uh, Chris Long didn't put up the odds, so technically we don't know who's eligible. But Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I take it we, as we, being we like... We have beef with Chris, Chris Long. It's like first and second year players, right? And like not... <laughs> Not really oh, early yeah. draft picks. I don't. I. Mm-hmm. I think Ty Chandler's up there. Although yesterday, like, wasn't super expected necessarily. Like, I he hasn't flashed a ton in camp in my eyes, at least. And also, he was running behind some some pretty large holes yesterday, but still looked really impressive. Yeah. I think he's up there. I think Myron Mitchell, if if we're calling him eligible, I don't know why he wouldn't be. Um, I just I think just be. based on camp performance and like the unexpectedness, the the surprise of seeing him like kind of stand out almost every day and win on on various routes. Uh, I think he's up there. I don't know. Yeah, Greg Joseph, uh, he's not eligible, but he's been like their best player in training camp. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, well, kind of on that same topic, I wanted to ask you a lot of talk about KOC, passing game, new concept, what he's going to be able to do with JJ and Thielen and Osborne and Kirk Cousins. But when you look at the biggest strengths on the team, you got to talk about the running back stable, top to bottom, maybe one of the best in the entire NFL. So I'm curious, how do you think the pass and run game 
kind of end up balancing out. Knowing KOC wants to play to his strengths as a coach, drawing up some passing concepts. But as far as maximizing the talent on your roster, you got to find ways to not just get the running game involved, but get multiple guys a few touches every game. How do you see the run-pass balance balancing out uh, when we get into the regular season? Yeah, I think maybe there's this perception sometimes that the Vikings, because they have Kevin O'Connell now, are just going to become this like ridiculously super pass-heavy team. I don't think that's true. I think they might become slightly more pass-heavy, but uh, they, they want to marry the run in the pass, and they have, like you said, really good running backs. Dalvin Cook, whenever he's healthy, is really good. The depth there is really impressive. And then they've got some good run blockers as well. I mean, for all the talk about Garrett Bradbury being unable to hold up in pass protection, he's still a good run blocker on, on the reach blocks and um, the, the whole interior. I mean, they're, they're really athletic uh, across the line. So, uh, yeah, I think they're going to run a lot and, and use that to set up play action, make things look similar. And, um, yeah, I, I will say one thing on the running backs is, like, a preseason overreaction that I've seen is people are saying, like, oh, trade Alex Madison. And I, I think that's way too premature just because Ken Wangwu and, and Ty Chandler looked pretty good yesterday. Madison is still the guy that you want to have if Dalvin Cook misses time it. as kind of that all around. What if you've been saying that for two years? Let's, let's wait to see a little more from, from the other two uh, in regular season games before we declare if that. If there was any value mm -hmm. for Alexander Madison, I wouldn't mind the idea. There's just no value for a backup running back who isn't... Yeah, people are like, trade him, for a, trade him for a starting caliber center. Like, all right, let me know when you find <laughs> that I, That's deal. hilarious. <laughs> Okay, that is yeah. shut off Madden for a second. Yeah, turn off yeah, Madden exactly. yeah. for a second. Come on. Okay, what, what's what's your minimum trade team. value? What's your minimum trade value that you would take for Alexander Madison? Well, I think the only thing you might get would be like, I don't know, some day three pick, and in that case, I don't know if that's yeah worth it because of the value he provides this year as insurance, really. So, yeah, so if I, you were I, offered I a like twenty twenty three fourth round pick. If you were offered a 2023 mm -hmm. fourth-round pick, would you say yes? The Chris yeah. Herndon price. Yeah, the Chris Herndon. A four might be a little tempting. Um, a little? Especially because you're not – I mean, you're not getting that – obviously, you're not getting a comp pick for him, I don't think. Um, Absolutely I don't not. What? I, no way. I, I, yeah, I know. I think I would still lean against trading him, but I don't know. That That's, that's where it would be a debate, at least. If somebody offered a fourth next year, I would – I would probably jump on it in a heartbeat, but devil's advocates like, okay, Dalvin Cook, what's played five years, he averages 13 games a year. So for those other four or five games, all right, say Kenne gets banged up again. I mean, you're down to, you know, all right, you traded Madison, you're down to pretty much Ty Chandler. So a fourth is very, very tempting, in my opinion, especially knowing he's probably going to walk next year. But well, the, you got to keep in mind, again, Dalvin probably going to be banged up, at, at least at some point in the year, too. So if you're, you're out Madison and Kenny gets banged up again, it gets you things quick. Sign AJ know. Rose to your practice squad. He's available. Let's go. You're fine. Let's the, go. Yeah, the Madison and CJ Ham, Johnson. Where's Rock Thomas? Are, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's similar conversations, <laughs> I think, with Madison and with BC. Like, just having guys available this year when you need somebody in a pinch. Obviously, there's younger, like Ty Chandler, Kenny Wongwu, and then even like with receivers, Tristan Jackson, Myron Mitchell, whoever. Like, there's maybe more future upside, but. You want to have it like the Vikings are in win now mode. Kevin O'Connell needs somebody who, if Dalvin Cook goes down or if Adam Thielen goes down, like you need somebody you can trust to put in the game and handle a large role. So I think that's why you keep those guys around, even if they're probably not on the team after this year. Mm -hmm. I have a deep yeah. mistrust of Alexander Madison's ability to step in and execute the role without making misreads and mistakes. And that co goes back to last year, bad reads last year, missed protection calls and stuff like that. I saw some of that in camp this year. I, I don't know. If it were up to me, and I, I'm no expert, all right? I'm no coach. I, I got Alexander Madison fourth right now. In that uh, I'll say yeah. this. I think Madison's ability to step in is overrated. I think Luke's overstating his case, but I think that we've all been seduced by how interesting his rookie year was, but he actually has not gotten better uh, in a primary bell cow type back role since his rookie year. Um, and he, he continues to make mistakes, people. especially in pass protection. He does. That is cool. He does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fourth his, and his one in Seattle. Remains game on the line. Alexander Madison hits the wrong yeah, was, I still blame Luke. Luke had the money one. line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think actually, <laughs> Luke uh, Braun might be right that I that Clip is it. not as much on Alexander Madison as it seems. I'll say that, but still, gotta make it. Um, I made up 
a super dumb game that I thought we could play with Will before he leaves. Um, would you guys What's like to play with me? the whole point of the show. All right. So games, we're yeah. going to go. I've got the eight teams that T.Y. McGill has played for or been a part of in his career written down in front of me. We're going to go around the circle. You have to guess a team. If it's on the list, you survive. If you miss, you're out. Um, we'll start just – we'll go clockwise. Luke Inman, you've got the full 32 teams – Actually, 31 teams because the Vikings aren't included. Uh, there's eight teams that you can pick from, so uh, hit me with something. T.Y. McGill? How do you spell that? Uh, his, the kidding. T stands okay. for Tyrone. Tyrone okay. McGill. Okay. Um, Indy? Is Indy one of them? Correct. Yes. Indy is on the list. Whew. Did you know that, or was that survives. just a, like – 25% no, that was the if I would have went last I probably would have been out because that was the only one team I was slightly <laughs> confident about and even my confidence there was about a three out of ten so I'm out of it yeah he played for them for two years all right Luke Braun you somehow stole mine so I guess I'll go stole with mine too. oh sorry who'd you go with Buffalo Bills no, it is not on the list. Yeah. All right, Luke Braun. I knew, out, I and knew our it was guest Indy because. Oh, now it's okay. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I'm. I mean, if I ever had like clicked on his pro football reference page, I don't remember doing that. Um, so I'm gonna just take a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with the Washington professional football team. That's on the list. Good job, Will. Wow. You survived. Hey. Yeah. Let's go. Big time. Maybe maybe that was somewhere deep back here, and I and I just conjured it right now. I don't know. I mean, if you no, follow I, I Pro Football was... Talk, they have every transaction ever, so you've probably seen it oh, like wow. eight times come across your feed. That's true. <laughs> I only knew it was Indy because every time I tweet about T.Y. McGill, some indie fan, just a, a different one every time, is just like, yeah, we loved him. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, okay. I'll remember that. Uh <laughs> No, uh, I'll stick in the NFC East. They, they like to like trade players that they see a lot. Or I shouldn't say trade, swap maybe. Uh, let's go with the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, the Eagles have brought oh, them on a couple yes. times. <clears throat> Nicely done. <clears throat> and the pressure's back <clears throat> on Luke Inman. He's got five to choose from. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the Reefs' strategy. Stick with the NFC South, Indy. I'm going to go Houston. Is Houston on the list? Show me Houston. Is it on the board? Oh, womp, bop, bop. Mm. Luke is out. Luke, the Lukes are out, um, and that leaves it to Will and Arif. Oh yeah, right. Luke's already out. Oh my gosh. Let me give me the Atlanta Falcons. I'm sorry, they are not on the list, and Arif ah. wins with his blind stab. But Arif, you have to prove it. You know, this is like one of yeah, those prove it games. So if you miss, yeah. then uh, Will is still alive. I, I made up this game, and I've decided just now it's one of those prove it games. Yeah. Um, well, you shouldn't win no, just because you guessed last. No, I, I I agree that it's fair, but it's also funny that Sam just came up with a rule. Uh, <laughs> I uh, you know I'll lean into the meme a little bit and um, and I'll say the Seahawks. So maybe the Seahawks are on the get, list. Get me out of somebody. Oh, get out! On my apartment. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Will, you go take care. Make hopefully you're not being evicted. Uh, thank you for joining us I on the football party. No, they, wait. Was the Seahawks correct? Yeah, Seahawks was correct. Of oh, course nice it job, was. Of course. Off season okay. only. Didn't make the team, but he was <laughs> in Seahawks camp in 2015. I looked it up after I got out. Okay, nice. we'll count it. It's thanks for having list. me, guys. Thanks a lot, Will. Hey, At thanks, Will. Will. On Talk to you soon. Yeah. All right. Stay yeah. safe. Hopefully it's not the cops. Later, Will. <laughs> yeah. See ya. <laughs> I'm telling 49ers you. are uh, are coming east to TCO Performance Center Wednesday, Thursday, joint practices. What are we excited for? Let me give you one. Uh, Vikes O-line against San Francisco D-line. I mean, that's that's been the kryptonite whenever they've played them in uh, the past couple of years. So that's what I'm watching for. Uh, yeah, I, I, Danny Gray, SMU superstar, number one receiver <laughs> on the San Francisco 40. 
I, I, yeah, Danny that's a good Gray one. I'm just pulling up the watch. depth chart here. Yeah, Danny Gray, that's a fun rookie to watch. Drake Jackson, that's a fun rookie to watch. Defensive yeah. end, USC. Oh, yeah. Robert Kendiche like is still in the NFL, huh? Came over from Whoa. Seattle. Ends up, uh, what, looks like third team defense here. I was trying to find any former Viking connections. So, so Kendiche's on his here. third NFC West team? Yeah, I didn't have a there at all. Yeah, correct. No, this time it should pan out, though. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe. Um. Maybe Jimmy G ends up get, get getting moved or traded from you know by the time today until kickoff Saturday. I don't know. Um. But those are the few names that are kind of sticking out right here. Yeah. Well, are Jimmy we G won't Trey be Lance there, right? Play? Yeah, no, he'll physically no, he be there. He's not no. going to play. No, he won't play. Jimmy. No. Jimmy G. Why would he? Why would he even be there? I guess I'm confused. Actually, about that's what a good he's point. Doing. That's a good point. Like, there's yeah. no reason because he's that he's not practicing either, right? So, just mm -hmm. kind of chilling, fly getting out. paid. God, what a life! I think man. Trey Lance is the most compelling person to watch practice. I mean, for obvious reasons, for he's sure. like a major factor in the NFC this year. Like, whether he's good or not, yeah, it's it's but... always fascinating when you get a position player to play quarterback. I agree. Um, how about <laughs> um, seeing Trent Williams up close and personal, yeah. and then going to watch oh, Christian yeah. Derrissaw? Um, right after yeah, that, that really could be like interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Dad. Um, you know, seeing the 49ers <laughs> roster brought back flashbacks of our Kyle Usechek bet in Super Bowl two years ago. Remember that, Luke and Arif? The <laughs> oh first touchdown. Do we we bet wow. first touchdown and he almost got he was like a yard short of the first touchdown? No, like he that? he got so it was first touchdown of the game. Um, right. And he, and he got the, the first, first touchdown for San Francisco for, for the oh. 49ers. And I believe he scored again later. Like our instinct was spot on, scored that twice. So that and hurts. that would yeah, that would have paid handsomely. Go um, that was an old an old football machine wager. Uh how about yeah. Fred Warner seeing him up close? George Kittle, Bosa. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fun players to watch. No, the, the 49ers have seen all of, those guys people of the top level of, of their position like fred warner's mm -hmm. up there bosa's up there i yeah. think um i think eric armstead maybe you wouldn't consider him a top three interior defensive lineman but i mean he's really fantastic i, I would really like he's to see, up there you know yeah him participate and then there's just like guys that i've been interested in that i've like you know these are guys that i've been you know i tracked throughout the draft that um or or like undrafted free agency that were like kind of interesting to me like uh you know luke you mentioned danny gray who's kind of a draft twitter favorite um donovan west i remember watching with the shrine game he's kind of interesting um uh the the guard nick sakelge i don't know how to pronounce his name but i remember he tested really well so he's somebody attracted and then um i remember uh Keyshawn johnson i think he's an undrafted free agent for the cardinals i want to say or sixth or seventh round pick actually um, for the Cardinals, and you know that was the class where the Cardinals got Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella, and Keyshawn Johnson all in one draft, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, you got all of these guys! They were rated way higher on the consensus board. Amazing steals, and none of them have panned out. In fact, I think only one of them is even on the roster for them. I think it's Isabella. Um, and uh, and I don't know. Keyshawn Johnson was was one of those guys. I think Fresno State." Where I was just kind of curious about how you would how he would turn out because he always seemed like he'd be a talented guy. So uh, a lot of these guys, just uh, Troy Fumagalli, you know, the guy missing a finger from Wisconsin, the tight end. Uh, a lot of these guys have been like, you know, at the at the back ends of the draft that I think have have been kind of fascinating. Like Oren Burks, the Vanderbilt guy that that was in Green Bay for a little bit, um, interesting special teams player. Kind of doesn't always know what he's doing as a linebacker, but if he develops, you know, he's got incredible athleticism. Uh, you know, the 49ers have such high top-end talent, sometimes we forget kind of, you know, in some ways like the Vikings, we kind of forget who, uh, you know, are at the back end of these rosters, you know, that that have the ability to kind of really, really shock you. Um, Ross Dwelly, I think, has you know, been bouncing around the league for a long time. Um, Ty Davis-Price, the third-round pick. I mean, they've got a ton of, of backs that they really like. Trey Sermon had a really good um, preseason game. So, yeah, and then uh, Kerry Hyder Jr. I mean, he's a hybrid defensive end defensive tackle um that's been around the league i think he was with the detroit lions for a little bit um and and he's been a really good interior pass rusher where he's kind of like you know that michael bennett role that seattle had where you could play him a defensive end you can play him a defensive tackle and while he wasn't obviously as talented as michael bennett otherwise you know we wouldn't be talking about him as like an under the radar guy um he's always been like really productive so i'm, I'm kind of interested in seeing him too yeah, those are some good names. I was looking at it through the lens of the actual game itself, assuming, you know, starters aren't going to play. But, yeah, come with those joint practices for those two days. 
looking at the trenches, Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey versus Hunter and Zedarius, that would be fun. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk get to see Andrew Booth Jr. and Cam Dantzler go up against some of those guys. That'll be a lot of fun. So I think practice is going to be almost maybe more intriguing and entertaining than the actual game itself. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, the 49ers are really well set up to like challenge all the most interesting people. And, and especially the people who have been kind of superstars of camp. I mean, mm -hmm. Christian Derrissaw is going to get Nick Bosa in one-on-ones. Right. I'm fascinated at that, you know. Ayuk and Samuel, like Cameron Dantzler has been kind of a superstar of camp. Yeah, let's – I mean, he's been going up against Justin Jefferson. It's not like he hasn't been tested so far, but let's get him a, a totally different kind of challenge in Debo Samuel. Um, I'm really excited to see kind of those 49ers superstars, those namesakes of the 49ers go up against the guys that have supposedly really taken step forwards. Let's really test it. I've got a four-minute drill for you guys, and this is going to test you like never before. And you know what's probably going to happen? Um, because we have a clock today. We have a one-minute clock for everyone's argument. Arif is probably going to go into debate mode where he talks like two million miles an hour. Um, what are you talking about? And I think it's going to be hilarious. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I want you to give me the 53-man offensive line group. So it might be 8, 9, 10, 11, whatever you want. But I want you to get me get all the names out in your minute. If you have time for, for explanations, great. But you got to be time efficient in this one. Would anyone like to volunteer to start? I'm always I'll jump in. I got this. Yeah. Ooh, all of us. Wow. I heard Luke, I heard Luke Inman first. I, I Starting five, pretty simple. I think the backups are pretty simple, too. Ole Udo, backup swing tackle. Ed Ingram, obviously, sharing reps with the first team. Chris Reed, solid backup on the interior. Austin Schlotman, I think you need you know, a specific backup center, not knowing exactly what you're going to get with Chris Reed if you were going to plug him in at center. So you got to keep Schlotman. Blake Brandle, I think he's in the mix. And I think that's my nine. I'd like to keep Vidarian low. I don't think he ends up making it. They try to keep him on the practice squad. Hinton, I don't think, makes it. Wyatt Davis, I don't think, makes it. Uh, Timon Paris, I don't think, makes it. I think I'm going with nine. If I had to pick a tenth, if you told me, hey, Luke, they keep ten, so who's your extra guy? It would be Vidarian low. But I think that's my nine right there. Can you? What were your backups? I'm just trying to keep track here. Yeah, Ole Udo, Ed Ingram, yep. Chris Reed, Schlotman, Blake Brandle. So that's 10. That's 10. So that's 10 then. Oh, that is 10. Okay. If, All right. Well, that's 10. All right. And so I would keep 10. I don't think they keep 11. I think Vidarian Lowe, they try to sneak on the practice squad. Well done. Well done, Luke. Let's move on to a reef. All right. Stars, Derrissaw, Cleveland, Bradbury, I guess, Ingram, O'Neal. Um, I, I think that Jesse Davis is going to be a, a quality backup. Uh, normally, I would keep nine. I think given the performance of Austin Schlotman, I think I'm going to keep 10 this time. So Oli Udo, uh, Garrett Bradbury, I guess, uh, Chris Reed, um, Jesse Davis, and Blake Brandle as your backups, um, along, of course, with Austin Schlotman. I think that you could make an argument that um, – I shouldn't have said Bradbury, I guess. You could make an argument that like Chris Reed or Austin Schlotman could start ahead of Bradbury. We did not get to see Reed play in the preseason as a center. So um, it would have been nice to see that. I think on the practice squad, I want to put Verdario Lowe and Kyle Hinton. I think that if Kyle Hinton continues to play like he did in the preseason, he's somebody that's kind of worth thinking about. He played a lot at center for the Vikings. Now he's playing guard. Maybe that's a better fit for him. Remember, he played tackle in college for Washburn, a Division three school. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you could have that competition at center between Bradbury, Reed, and Schlotman. Schlotman, I think, availed himself well. Um, and then Uli Udo, unfortunate, maybe Brandel's the better back of tackle. Ron, all right. I'm waiting for the clock to start. I got spicy ones here, so I'll start with my backups because I think that's where more intrigue is. The the starting cake's pretty much baked. Um, but I am going to keep Austin Schlotman and Chris Reed based on their camp performance. I'm going to keep Blake Brandle over Oli Udo as well, um, and I'm going to keep Jesse Davis as a backup. He's lost his job to Ed Ingram. So my starters, you know, you got Darisaw O'Neill, Ed. Uh, Ezra Cleveland already said Ed Ingram, and then I am going to call starting center Lloyd Cushenberry. We're going to uh, trade away Garrett Bradbury and trade for Broncos center Lloyd Cushenberry. Hear me out here. They have a fifth-round rookie, Luke Wattenberg, who's getting first-round reps right now. Uh, Chris Cooper 
has coached Lloyd Cushenberry before. He's going to be expendable. He's going to be acquirable. And if they are looking for possible center help, I think that is a fantastic option to go get it. So I'm saying starting center Lloyd Cushenberry and then Garrett Bradbury probably gets dumped for a con- I don't know, conditional seventh or whatever, maybe even cut because uh, you're not going to keep him to be a backup. I- if I'm keeping 10, I would keep Ole Udo. Um, I think he's right on the board. Yeah, so that introduces kind of my conundrum with my 10, and I am keeping 10, and I'm keeping the same 10 as Luke Inman. Um, uh, you know, Sorry, wh- whether they're starting or not. or not. I got some bonus time, guys. I'm going on a straight-up monologue here. So Ingram, Davis, I think they <laughs> both make this team. I once thought that the Vikings would be compelled to cut one of their veteran pickups, whether it be Davis, Schlotman, or Reed. I didn't think there was room for all of them, but evidently – there, there is. Like, the way it works out, I don't think Lowe or Hinton have forced anybody off the perch. I don't really want to keep Oli Udo, but I feel like you don't have a lot of tackle flexibility if you only keep Brandle. Like, if you keep only Brandle, who's kicking out to tackle as a backup other than Brandle? Anybody? Anybody? Jesse Cleveland? Davis. I mean, he sucks at it, but it's Jesse Davis. It's, it's a backup, right? Yeah, I think it's don't Jesse lo- Davis. Don't love that. Yeah. Don't love that meme. Um, Probably so that's like Jesse Davis 10. more at tackle or Ole Udo at tackle? That genuine question. Me? I don't. I don't like yeah. either of them anywhere. They're both Those bad. Are options. Who do you like more? Udo. Because I haven't seen Udo be bad in regular season at tackle, yet. <laughs> I guess, man. <laughs> that's rough. Right? Am I wrong? <laughs> Yeah, if he's had one game of tackle in the regular season, it was against Chicago's backups. <laughs> and fans posted video of that for two years, citing it as evidence is why he should the start. The same and two they, clips. And then he did at guard, and it went yeah. great. Oh, um, that whole argument is a party foul, but let's uh, let's let's run run the music. Let's get into our party fouls for the week. I'll start th- uh, with this one. My party foul, kicking a 20-yard field goal. Just just bad coaching. Now, it's preseason, and maybe you're like compelled to get your field goal unit some reps. You want Greg Joseph to get a kick. But uh, I'm going to be mad about that if it happens in the regular season. If you're not going for it from the one-and-a-half-yard line, Sam's not going to be happy. The, the George Costanza, Luke Inman, I know you get it. You know, Sam's getting upset. That's going to be me. So KOC, don't don't do this to me, man. Don't don't be that guy who kicks 20-yard field goals. That's all I got. That's my party foul. My party foul goes to the disease COVID-19, uh tries to infect Kirk Cousins, times it terribly. Now he's going to have natural immunity all season. You got to do better than that if you want to defeat Kirk Cousins. Be better. I got just a, be um... better in general. Just be better. Come on, man. I get the press release. Be a better adversary. Like, 2 o'clock yesterday, and the subject line is just, Minnesota Vikings not expected to play. And my mind went to, oh, my gosh, the team is not going to play. There's a protest. There's a COVID outbreak. There's a – something's happened. And I opened the email thinking there's this massive story, and it's just like, these Minnesota Vikings are not going to play. But um, my long-lost cousin, John Ekstrom of PR, titled it in a deceiving – it was clickbait. PR clickbait. <laughs> yeah, John Ekstrom <laughs> clickbait. That's, that's the other party foul for me. <laughs> All right. I'll, uh, I'll go uh, with uh, Amir Smith-Marset, the special teamer, party foul. Um, I think negative four total yards as a punt returner. Uh, just could not get it going. Thought he could dance around a little bit. Just couldn't um, figure stuff out. Uh, had three kick returns. One of them, you know, was called back because of a holding penalty. I don't want to, uh, you know, hurt him too much for that. Although I don't want to give him credit for like the 50 yarder it turned into because the holding penalty, I believe, was an important part of that. But the other two returns were whatever. I think they were both below 20 yards. I want to say, or or one was because uh, the penalty was 23, and the other were. Um, below 20 yards, and, and he missed a pretty uh, obvious hole. Now, I know that he was like a special team of the year for the Big Ten. He's a really remarkable kick return in the Big Ten, but he didn't show up, right? Um, and so 
for the most part, was a really big liability as a returner, more as a punt returner than as a kick returner, but just couldn't get it done. We saw one return from Ty Chandler that went 56 yards. Again, Amir Smith-Marset was hurt by a holding penalty, but, uh, you know, I he he didn't get it in those other two opportunities where Ty Chandler had one opportunity, got 56 yards. So, um yeah, as a returner, Amir Smith-Marset, which was his primary asset when he was drafted, like luckily he's turning into a pretty good receiver, um, is just not there. That's a good one. Tough to follow that, but I'm going to right now. Fantasy football drafts coming up these next two weekends. You're going to pull up the ADP, and Austin Eckler is number three on the ADP going into your fantasy football draft. You're getting too cute. Don't pass... Derrick Henry, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, even Devontae Adams up for Austin Eckler. If you have to take Austin Eckler, uh, hopefully you don't have to take him that high at number three overall. But if you do, make sure to draft his backup and the handcuff, Isaiah Spiller, as well. That's sound fantasy advice from Luke Inman. Uh, Thursday's show right will have Ron Johnson joining for his Thursday appearance. Plenty of Vikings, 49ers talk, and more shenanigans on the Minnesota football party. Uh, If you subscribe to Locked on Sports Minnesota, all your dreams will come true because not only will you get this show directly to your feed, but you will get Superior Sports Talk with Luke and and Reggie Wilson. You'll get the Ron Johnson Show with yours truly and Ron Johnson. One big, happy Locked on Sports Minnesota family. Uh, One feed, three shows, and the postcast, which is Vikings reaction immediately after the game. Available on YouTube as well. It's audio. It's video. It's everything you could ever want uh, in your life. So it's uh, Luke Braun, Luke Inman, Arif Hassan. Gentlemen, thank you. I'm Sam Ekstrom, Matthew uh, DeBritz produced. And this has been the Minnesota Football Party. Until next time, see you later.